Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Any questions I ask myself when I question myself. Table fam, how are we feeling? Yeah, hey, the band's incredible job, Julie, and her leadership and the team that we have. I'm just so thankful to just be able to sing uh, and be able to like make room. And it's funny enough, that's a lot what we're talking about tonight. But to kick us off, um, has any, does anybody enjoy online shopping? Yeah. Okay. This side. This side. I got some hand raids. We like. We we like online shopping. Okay. Okay. What about this side over here? Do we like online shopping? Hands raised. Okay. I didn't realize like the extent that online shopping can go. Probably like many of you until COVID happened, and I'm like, I can just get things like shipped directly to my house. And y'all, the the size of the item did not get. Um, there was no uh, small limit on the size of the item that I had shipped to my house. I was like, I need a toothbrush. Send. And it was coming to my house, right? And I was like, I never have to leave my house again. This is incredible. All right. So then um, I you get married. Um, and then my wife is already like an online shopping pro, right? And then she just like, says, Isaac, let's, why do we need to go to the store? We'll just get all of our groceries shipped to us. We'll just get other things shipped to us. And I'm like, this life is incredible. Oh my gosh. Right? So like, I just grew to love online shopping. But if you do a lot of online shopping, you know this. Um, sometimes in online shopping, things don't always come um, as advertised. Have you guys experienced this? Yes? Yes? Me- meaning, like, you-, you think you're feeling real good. I was talking earlier to some people, and you're like, guys, you got to read the reviews. And I'm like, I did. Like, we did read the reviews. And even after, like, reading all the reviews, sometimes things don't always come as advertised, right? So my wife and I had just got married, and then we moved. If you're looking for a spot, um, we loved uh, the first place that we lived was Heritage on Millennia. Shout out, Heritage on Millennia. You're not even here, but shout out. Uh, so we lived there. We loved it. They had this back patio, so we're just trying to find furniture to, 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 to fill our back patio. So sure enough, we go, go on Amazon, and then we search, and we order what we think is going to be some really good price. And by good price, I mean super cheap. I mean like dirt cheap, but like okay, like outdoor furniture so we can sit outside. So we order the furniture. Uh, the furniture comes. We're so excited. And because like we're cheap millennials, we order it. like It's like three boxes. So then I have to spend like 14 days like, trying to assemble it all together and like getting all the tools. So then we assemble it together, and it's like this big tiny. And we're like, oh my gosh. So then we're like sitting on the floor, you know, we're like, I think this is nice. Do we like this? This is good. And then we're like, I just, it just doesn't come as advertised. And as you can imagine, if you've ever bought anything um, online that didn't quite come as advertised, it can be disappointing. Um, It can be disorienting. Um, and it can be uh, damaging, right? So like, you get it, and you just feel very like disappointed um, with like what came in. You can feel just kind of disoriented with whatever you bought, and you, and at its worst, depending on what you bought, perhaps if things don't work as advertised, um, it can be incredibly damaging, right? So why do I mention this? I mention this because you know, for most of us in this room, um, that we would call ourselves Christians. We would call ourselves Christ followers, right? We would call ourselves followers of Jesus, Christian. And the question is, have you ever experienced a Christian that has not come as advertised? Meaning, I'm getting some head nods, I'm like, yup, <laughs> like don't elbow the person next to you, right? But like, meaning, like, have you ever experienced a Christian that's not acting like a Christian, right? Have you guys ever experienced that? Yes? 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 
Or like, I, I got like we're gonna, we can line up here and just do story after story after story of like Christians. What do we do? Um, have you ever experienced a Christian not acting like a Christian? And here's a phenomenon. So I'm originally from Texas. Some of you know this. I'm originally from Texas. And in Texas, as well in the South or anywhere where they say the word y'all, right? Does anybody else use the word y'all? Hey, fools, come on. Yeah, y'all. If you use the word y'all, then you've probably experienced this phenomenon that I experienced being from Texas, and it's this this phrase, a cultural Christian. Have you guys heard this before? Uh, See, uh, what a cultural Christian is, is a cultural Christian is somebody that professes to be a Christian— um, but and they profess to be a Christian, um, and, and mainly because either they grew up in a family that was Christian, or just the group of people that they're hanging out with are Christians. So whenever this happens, right? Whenever somebody just professes to be a Christian, it's a cultural Christian. Oftentimes, the actions don't match up to what the person is professing because it's just cultural, right? And we see this all the time. Like even in, so we see this with the people around us sometimes, to where like the somebody who's saying that they're a Christian, but then the actions that they're doing. Don't don't at all line up to what they're saying, like, as a Christian. And we see this even in celebrities, right? Celebrities that profess to be Christians, whether it be athletes, or I was actually, um, there's an actor who's definitely not named Mark Wahlberg. He's not. He's not named Mark Wahlberg. It has not been in movies, right? And definitely it's not Mark Wahlberg. And I was listening to a not Mark Mark Wahlberg um, interview where he's saying this. He's like, I don't think I would compromise my artistic integrity and choices based on my faith. He's like, look, I'm professing to be a Christian, but I don't think that I'm going to uh, compromise my artistic integrity and choices based on my faith. And the reason I mention that is not because I'm trying to, like, call out Mark Wahlberg, because I'm thinking for all of us that's so true, right? Like, think about it. Like, hey, look, I'm not going to compromise a good night out because of my faith. I'm not going to compromise what I want to do in my relationships because of my faith, right? Um, I don't want to compromise the sex that I want to have because of my faith, right? I don't want to have how much I drink or how much I smoke. I don't want to compromise that because of my faith. Hey, I don't want to compromise. I don't think y'all are ready for this one. I don't want to compromise venting about my roommates or my coworkers because of my faith. Sheesh. Jeez, I got t- is it too real? Too real? Like Isaac, just please keep talking about drinking and sex. Don't talk about gossip. Please, please. Hey, so, so the, tension, the question is, so how do we navigate when Christians don't act like Christians? Because we've all experienced this. We've experienced this in ourselves. We've experienced this in others, right? How do we navigate when Christians don't act like Christians? And Paul is addressing the very letter that he's writing. We've been in the series of 1 Corinthians. It's called Messy Church. And the reason it's called Messy Church is because it's very this. Whenever Christians don't act like Christians, it gets very messy. So how do we navigate when Christians don't act like Christians? So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says this. He says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, right? So we're asking this question, how do we navigate when Christians don't act like Christians? So at first we need to establish, okay, well, what does acting like a Christian look like And what does not acting like a Christian look like? I want to be really clear on kind of what we're talking about whenever we say that. So to set us up, Paul gives this distinction of spiritual people, and he also gives the distinction of people of the flesh. And in order to kind of think through this, we have this really helpful chart up here um, where it helps us think through what does it mean that we're um, spirits and people of the spirit— and what does it mean that we're people of the flesh? Well, people of the Spirit, we talked a lot about this last week. If you weren't here last week, you can check out our table podcast. We talked a lot last week about what does it mean to be a person of the Spirit. And what we said was, well, it's Christ crucified, right? 
We're, we're making much of God, meaning everything that we are, everything that we have, we're just making much of God, and we're saying, hey, we are proclaiming Christ crucified, meaning Jesus is amazing, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is powerful, and Jesus crucified, or Jesus was crucified. And like that, we too, here's the second part, is like because Jesus was crucified, we also die to ourselves. This is what it means to be of the Spirit, is that we proclaim Christ crucified, and then we also proclaim that we are to die to ourselves, meaning that we live our entire lives to make much of God and to, make mu- and to serve others. We live our whole lives to make much of God and to serve others. Um, and then, lastly, um, to be a person of the Spirit, and if you grew up in church or semi-familiar with church, you know this, um, is that being a person of the Spirit is that you have fruit of the Spirit. So to be a person of the Spirit means you look at your life and you see love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Okay, so you look at this list. Okay, so somebody that's of the Spirit, somebody that proclaims and preaches to themselves and to others, Christ crucified, somebody that um, doesn't try to make much of themselves, dies to themselves to, to love God, glorify God, and serve others, somebody that you look at their life, and it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? You look at that person, you're like, that's an amazing person, Right? Right? You look at the sister, you're like, man, I'm still waiting to meet somebody like that. Right? Or perhaps like you have met somebody like that. Like I want you to imagine um, just somebody who exhibits this. Right? Maybe even right now you can think of somebody in your life. Maybe it's your grandmother. Right? Maybe it's somebody that was a neighbor. Maybe it was the person that introduced you to Jesus. Right? Maybe it was a mentor of yours. Right? Maybe it's somebody who's just like a really good friend and you don't want, and you're kind of like, honestly, you're a little jealous of them because they just like, Ooh, it's fruit of the Spirit. And you're like, man, I wish I had that. You wouldn't tell them that. But you're like, man, I just wish I had what they had. Sheesh, they are just like oozing fruit of the Spirit right now, right? And I want you to imagine this person who's just so loving. They just love people all the time, right? Somebody who's just so hospitable. Like they're always just having people over. Hey, yeah, come over, right? Even after the table, they're like whipping up. Hey, you want to go? Let's go hang out. Let's go hang out. They're just like whipping up a lot of people just to go hang out, trying to bring people into community. Why? Because they love people and they just want to get to know people, right? And they're incredibly hospitable. And it doesn't just stop there. This person then invites people over. Like, hey, I'm having a movie night. Come on, come hang out. Come on. Like, let's come invite, invite whoever you know, right? And this person, like whenever you have problems in your life, you, you speak to them and they're incredibly gracious with you. They know when you know that they know that like you got yourself into that problem and yet it doesn't matter because this person, they're just so gracious with you and they're incredibly empathetic with you. And they say, man, that sounds really hard. I'm so sorry you're going through that. And they're just so gracious, right? Um, as well as they, but they're also, they can, they can speak, they can spit when they need to. They can give some pretty good life counsel, right? They, so whenever you're going through something, you have a problem, like this is the person that you just automatically go to. Do you have somebody in your mind that's like this? Yes, a few head nods over here. Can we think of anybody here? Yes, a few. Okay, I'll check. I'll go section by section. Are we good here in the middle? We good? Got some head nods. Okay, what about over here? Can you think of some people? Okay, we're like, mm, okay. What about over here on the side? Yeah, we good? Okay, so we can all think of somebody like this. Here's the problem, though. Um, you know, we, because most of us are Christians, we look at, so whenever we're asking the question of um, what happens whenever Christians don't act like Christians, see, Christians, and those of us that are kind of familiar with the Christian faith, we see this and we're like, absolutely, that's what acting like a Christian looks like. However, this is where it gets interesting. If you were to ask a non-Christian what a Christian acts like, what would they say? Not this. 
No, here, here's what they say, and it's, it's different, see, from what most people, what most non-Christians think of Christians. Because here, from a non-Christian perspective, non-Christians look at Christians, and they don't think spirit, they don't think love, they don't think joy, they don't think peace. They think like literally the opposite. Here's what, here's what they think. They think conservative, they think homophobic, they think transphobic, they think misogynistic, they think like they, oh, Christians, they definitely voted for Trump and they stormed the Capitol. Every single Christian did that. Um, Christians are selfish, Christians are narrow-minded, Christians are racist, Christians are judgmental and uptight. And honestly, from a non-Christian's perspective, the last thing they would want somebody to do is act like a Christian. So it's very clear, it's very important for us to be really clear with what do we mean when we say act like a Christian and what do we mean whenever we, it's not acting like a Christian. We need to be really clear because depending on your perspective and depending on where we're all coming from, we may have very different answers to what we think when we say somebody is acting like a Christian, right? So, but what does Paul say not acting like a Christian looks like? What does Paul say not, because this is what Paul's saying acting like a Christian looks like. Well, what does Paul say not acting like a Christian looks like? He's saying this. He's saying from the flesh, not acting like a Christian is selfishness. Making much of yourself. And this is where the distinction, because from a non-Christian perspective, the flesh side is what non-Christians most of the time perceive of Christians. Why? Because it's very well deserving. Can we not agree? I want you to think of the Christians. I want you to think of yourself and how often have you acted in an incredibly selfish way. Very often, right? So the, 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 the perception is warranted, right? But I want us to help us navigate to be able to wade through that perception to like, okay, but what is Paul saying for what it means to be a Christian and what it means not to be a Christian? And what Paul's saying from a fleshly perspective, not of the Spirit, uh, what a Christian should not act like is starting from a place of selfishness, meaning making much of yourself. And I said this last week, and fundamentally, this is the viewpoint. This is like the, um, uh, the hinge point and what it means to think like a Christian and what it means to not think like a Christian. Thinking like a true Jesus-following, gracious Christian is one that is, you're proclaiming Christ crucified. And thinking like, a, like somebody that's not a Christian, thinking of somebody that's of a flesh, it's thinking, man, I really got to make much of myself here. Man, I really need to go after that promotion. I don't care what I do to get there. Man, I really need that person to like me, and I'll say whatever I need to for that person to like me. Uh, man, I really want that person not to like that person over there, so I'm going to say whatever I need to do for them not to like that person over there. That's fleshly, that's selfish thinking, making much of ourselves, trying to make ourselves look really good. Here Paul continues, right, where he says this. He says, um, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. So now, Paul's name-calling a little bit. Where Paul's saying, hey, this is what it looks like to live of the flesh. You're a baby. You're immature. You're immature, right? So, so really, like that, that, that level, so I have a, a, a five-month-old daughter now. Mm-hmm. Y'all can clap for that. Let's go. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So I have a five-month-old daughter now, and, and some of you are like, has it been that long? I know, it's been that long, right? So, so literally last night um, at three in the morning, I'm up, 
And I'm with her, and she's like crying. And why is she crying? Because she's a baby. She's an infant. She doesn't know any better, but she has some development to do as she continues growing up in life. But here's where she is now, is she's an infant. And as an infant, um, it's very attention-seeking and demanding, right? So my daughter Vera, she will just be like, she, she doesn't like the position that she's laying, and then she'll start going, <laughs> and then literally just like sit her up, and then she's like, ah, because that's what infants do, are very attention-seeking and very demanding, right? So he's calling them um, an, an infant, right? And so I want, you to give, I want to give a little bit of context, because to really understand what's going on here, um, this is not Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. It's not Paul's first letter. So he's actually um, responding to them responding to him. So Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians. We don't have it in our Bible. He just wrote a letter to the Corinthians. They didn't like what he had to say. They responded back to Paul, sent Paul back another letter, and here he is responding to their response of his first letter. So that's why he says, um, and and with that, they accuse Paul of only teaching them um, with milk and not using solid food. So even the milk and solid food verbiage that's being used, this is not Paul's original words. Paul is merely, um, you know, like whenever like you're having a conversation or I eat argument with somebody, you know, the best way to have a conversation with them is then to start using the words that they're using. That way you know for sure that they understand you. So you, you figure out how they're using words, what words they're using, and then you say, I hear you. And as you say this, right, but then like as you're saying it, you like air quote it, right? So that's basically what Paul is saying. He's air quoting milk and he's air quoting solid food. Whenever he says here, he says, um, I fed you with quote unquote milk, um, not quote unquote solid food, right? Because you were not yet ready for it. So Paul is just using their own language back at the them. Okay, so why, why is this important? It's because, especially if you grew up in church, you may have heard it said, and you may have believed the myth that the Corinthians believed. And even like I've heard it like taught in church as well, and it gets more often than not taught in the myth that the Corinthians believed and not what Paul is actually trying to say and the point that he's trying to make as he's saying this. Because the myth is this. The myth is there is a progression of understanding that all of us start out as infants, and we start out, like, as you kind of become a Christian and learn about faith, you start out with, um, on the milk, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, the milk. Milk's so good, right? And then eventually, you get to a place where you progress out of milk into solid food, right? So then you may start saying things around, man, they need to go deeper. I'm ready for the solid food. I just need, I need more. I just, I did, they're just, I need them to go to say more. I need more knowledge. I just need to go deeper. You know what? I'm not being fed anymore. Too real? Too real. Okay, I'm getting like real blank stares. Okay, wow. Sheesh, them dagger eyes. Okay, it's okay. Um, So that's what Paul is saying, though. He's saying that, hey, look, the way that you currently see it is you see it that there's a progression of infants that drink milk, and then you're trying to progress to be the solid food. That the, from what the Corinthians are saying is that we move from an elementary understanding to a more mature knowledge of deeper things of the system, right? See, in the Corinthians, what Paul's saying here is that the Corinthians, they thought they were so spiritual and that Paul was the problem because Paul was not giving them the meat that they wanted. But here's what Paul is saying. He, he said it in chapter 1. Here's what Paul is saying to the Corinthians and to us. He's saying, hey, look, I'm not here with lofty words. I'm not here with eloquent wisdom. The only thing that I have to say, the only thing that I have to preach is Christ crucified. That's it. That's what Paul said. And he kind of elaborated a little bit, but that's basically the premise of what he was saying. He's like, I don't have anything else to say other than Christ crucified. And people hear that, and they're like, yeah, that's not enough. What else you got? 
And Paul's like, I don't have anything else. The only thing I have to give is Christ crucified, right? And he's saying, hey, look, there is no distinction between milk and solid food. There is no progression of understanding, right? If you understand Christ crucified, if you understand glorifying God, if you understand that your life is not about you, if you understand that our life is to glorify God and to serve others, you get Christianity. That's pretty much all there is, that we're sinful, that we need a Savior, if you understand, like, these very, um, and whenever we die, we get to be with Jesus, but we also get this life of Jesus now. Like, if you understand this, right, there is no deeper, like, there's no, like, um, um, like, like, a, like a sequence of, like, man, I'm ready to go varsity in my Christian faith, so then I can go to, like, the secret room where they talk about the secret things. I'm ready to go to the secret room, right? And then you go to, like, to the secret, secret room, and then, like, you discover that they're, like, sacrificing goats, and you're like, okay, then maybe that's a little much. I mean, I may not get there. It's a little too much, okay? But, like, we, we think that, and I'm saying this especially for our new friends, or for two people. One, um, for our brand new Christian pe- for our brand new Christian friends, feeling like, man, I don't know anything. I don't feel like I know enough. And I'm here to say, hey, look, if you understand Christ crucified, that's all you need to know. For those of us that have been Christians for a long time, it's like, man, I got to learn more. I got to keep learning. Click learning because what I know now is enough. Yeah, I get Christ crucified, but what else you got? And I'm saying, hey, look, there's nothing more. If you understand Christ crucified, that's all there is. So now what do we do with that? Now we live as people in the Spirit. That's the growth of the Christian faith. It's not to try to learn deeper things. It's to try to continue growing to be a person of the Spirit in love and in joy and in peace and in patience and in kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, right? So I used to have long hair. Some of you know this when I first moved here. I used to have long hair. And um, the guy that was cutting my hair was awesome. We had amazing conversations because um, then we would just end up talking about faith. And then like we ended up like studying the Bible together. And then as we're studying the Bible together, we would meet like at 9 p.m. Um, in his salon. I know the, the most broiest of bro things I'm aware, okay? Meeting with my hairstylist at 9 p.m. in his shop. So, so we're meeting there. And then as he was, as he was, um, as we were talking, he would frequently say, hey, man, I know like we're talking about milk, but like let's talk about solid food. Let's go deeper. And I'm like, there's really not much deeper. And he's like, no, 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 you're holding out on me, Trevino. Like we need to go deeper. And I'm like, there's really, really nothing else because it's such a common thought of um, wanting the deeper things in faith. And by deeper, I think people mean um, just like bigger words. Like, I don't know what, like, I don't really know what we mean, what we mean by deeper, right? Um, So, so what, typically for most of us, what we need um, is not a change in their diet. See, what we need is a change in perspective. We don't need a change in our diet. What we need is a change in our perspective. But here was what Paul's saying, is that we are still not ready for it. The Corinthians were not ready for it. He's like, look, I tried. I tried, and you were not ready for it, Um, right? Along with going deeper and along with kind of wanting more knowledge, though, as we think through immaturity, right, and as we think through being infant, I think those, we can think of many um, other things, right? We can think of, and honestly, a lot of the the messiness that we experience um, because we have Christians that are not acting like Christians and being incredibly immature, right? We've already mentioned it earlier. For some of us, the most hurt that we feel is because people are just gossiping about us, like in church world. And we feel very hurt by that. And we don't know when it's safe like to walk into rooms or not walk into rooms. Um, for some of us, it's just like complaining. We're just complaining all the time. For some of us, nobody's ever good enough. Like people um, are imperfect, um, and then we immediately say, okay, I'm done with you. 
See, for some, and we've experienced this, it's a lot of um, just abuse, perhaps even sexual abuse in church, um, perhaps it's spiritual abuse, perhaps it's somebody just lording their authority um, over us, and we've experienced this. It's a very immature, very fleshly way for somebody to live. See, for some, it's bullying, and somebody has just used church world just to bully us. Um, for some, it's where we meet people that are immature and they're incredibly judgmental, and like, here's the irony is that they think they're mature, but because they're being judgmental and trying to make much of themselves and trying to put you down to elevate themselves and how they're living and how you're not living, it's still very fleshly living. Just because somebody seems like they have it all together, seems like they are buttoned up in church, does not mean they are mature. Um, and for some of us, it's just incredibly like foolish and childish living, right? The, classically, the way that we would think of being immature. And whenever we call the series Messy Church, we're going to get into more of these topics as the series goes on. This is what we're talking about. When Christians don't act like Christians, it leads to a lot of people that are living very selfishly, and it leads to a lot of immaturity um, around us. And he continues in verse 3 where he says, um, For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? And here's the last thing that living in the flesh does. This causes division. Division meaning uh, jealousy and strife and quarreling. He's, Paul's saying, hey, there's, there is relational conflict, right? There's relational conflict. And with the word, um, with the word division, um, you can really think about it as Paul says it. Um, uh, he uses it in chapter 1. You, the word division, it, think of it like... Um, like a piece of fabric that gets torn. That's the imagery that Paul is using when he's saying division. It's, it's a tear. Um, another way to think about it is um, like a schism or a gap. So, I want you, so whenever Paul uses the word division, I want us to think through like there's literally a gap between people. Like there's somebody that's standing over here, and then imagine there's a huge gap and someone else is standing over here. So when two people that are saying that they're Christians and are not acting like Christians, they're very okay with there being division and a gap. They, they see a gap, and they're like, no, nah, I'm good, and they just don't address the gap at all. And so the question that we're answering tonight, so how do we navigate when Christians don't act like Christians? Here's, here's the big idea. You fill the gap. When Christians don't act like Christians, this is what we do. As spirit-filled people, we fill the gap. Meaning, um, there's somebody that's over here, and let's say that there was a relational conflict, and somebody that's standing over here, and let's say they got into an argument. This is the classic table example um, over dishes, right? So let's say two roommates are just like, they just have like these kitchen wars, right? And it's like this real like passive aggressive and then a gap builds up. And you can feel this, right? You can feel when you have a gap with somebody. Like whenever you're just with somebody and there's just something like you used to be cool, but now something just seems off and then it goes unaddressed, there's a gap. And what Paul is saying is like, hey, look, people of the Spirit are not okay with there being division in gaps. Because to be selfless, to be God-glorified, to, to be Christ-crucified, to less of myself, more of serving others, the best way to serve others, the best thing that we can do to be Spirit-filled people, to be a people of love, joy, and peace, and fruit of the Spirit, is that as Spirit-filled people, we use the Holy Spirit within us, and we fill the gap so there's no more gap between us. Look, look, I've, I've experienced this often where, like, I'll think of a situation to where, like, I'm in relational beef with somebody, 
um, which happens. And then as I'm in relational beef with them, I have to think through, okay, are they a Christian, yes or no? Okay, if they're not a Christian, that's okay. I just know that it's going to be, uh, we're going to navigate this and it's going to be okay. But man, if they are a Christian, I have to assume that I have the Holy Spirit in me. And if they're a Christian, if they're proclaiming Christ crucified, you have to assume that they have the Holy Spirit in them. And if two people have the Holy Spirit, there should be no gap. Because both people can come in to fill the relational gap. So where do we fill the gap? So where do we fill the gap? We have to fill the gap in two places as we're landing the plane here. In two places. The first place we have to fill the gap is within ourselves. Right? Do you remember when it talked about a flesh and spirit? The chart that was on, right? Um, the gap, sometimes it comes from, uh, we're like, we're like uh, um, hop, hopscotch, is that a thing? Like hopscotch? Right? Or we're like driving in a car, and we're like, I'm in this land, and I'm in this land, and I'm in this land, and I'm in this land. And we're like, Christ crucified, much, a lot about me. Um, make much of God. Oh, man, I want to do whatever I want to do. Right? And we keep swerving, swerving between the spirit land and between the, fe- the flesh lane. Right? And I, the most loving thing that I can tell you is pick a lane. Pick a lane. Look, if you want to be a person of the spirit, be a person of the spirit. If you don't want to be a person of the spirit, just do whatever you want to do. But you're not going to find any joy and happiness by swerving between being spirit-filled and being of the flesh and keep going back and forth. And for some of us, that's why we're miserable. And that's why there's a gap and there's a division and there's a schism and there's a tear within our own soul because our heart is divided. Because we're saying Christ crucified and on Tuesdays and it feels good. The music's going, we're like, yeah, yeah, I love you, Jesus. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we go off and then at 9.30 hits, 10 o'clock hits, 11 o'clock hits, Wednesday hits, Friday weekend, let's go, right, hits. And it's just a very, um, there, there's division in our own souls with how we want to live. And I'm not saying that out of judgment. I'm saying that out of love because I want you to be happy. I want you to find satisfaction. And I think whenever we keep wavering between spirit living and fleshly living and spirit living and fleshly living and spirit living and fleshly living, there is no way we're happy in that. Absolutely no way. And we think we are, and we lie to ourselves, and we're just not going to find the satisfaction that we're looking for, right? So we're asking what happens whenever uh, Christians don't act like Christians. It has to start with us. What happens when I don't act like a Christian? And we, want, we don't like relational beef, and we don't like whenever there's conflict, right? And the, whenever, if we want to see change, the first thing that we need to do is draw a circle around ourselves and change everything inside of the circle. How do I know this? Because, y'all, that's my life. This is your life, right? We've all experienced what it means whenever we want, we're proclaiming Christ crucified and whenever we're kind of just leaning in and not even trying to put up a battle, not even struggling, just like fleshy living, whee, splash, jump in. We just like fully embrace it right? And I just think, I just want a better life for you. So man, if you're here tonight and you're like debating between spirit-filled living as a Christian and fleshly living to make much of yourself, pick a lane. So first, to fill the gap, we have to fill the gap with ourselves. And secondly, I was wrapping up here, we have to fill the gap with others. Meaning, kind of what we talked about earlier, mean, whenever we are in, um, there's a gap between two people, to be a people that are spirit-filled, we have to reach out. We have to reconcile. We have to make things right. There's no other option if we are to be a people, if you are to be a person that is a spirit-filled person. So when the Holy Spirit is present, the gaps need to be filled. Just uh, closing here, 
And so, man, when I was uh, back in Texas, um, I was um, uh, I was working at a job, and I was like, I, then I had uh, quit my job because I was then about to move here to Orlando, but I didn't know if Orlando was going to work out. I was still like, I didn't know, I didn't have a job, but I like still quit. And so, but either way, my the, the organization that I was working for, um, they were hiring someone to like backfill my position. So I was in a meeting with some of my friends, and um, one of the people, there was this girl, and she was like, um, I thought would have been a good, um, a good backfill to the role that I was doing. I was in communications. I was a communications director. Um, so then I just kind of, we were in a group of people, and then I just kind of would, men- would mention it to her. And then she like, was, basically her response was, <laughs> I make way more than that position pays. <laughs> and just kind of, I was like, oh, okay, right? And I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think much of it at the time, and I just kind of thought it was funny. And honestly, my response was, <laughs> I think you're exactly right. <laughs> um, but either way, so she left, and then the next day, I, I get a phone call from her. And she says, hey, Isaac, hey, I, I made a comment yesterday, and I really don't like the comment that I made. I thought that was so insensitive to you. Like, I'm just so sorry that I said that. Like, I, I, um, I'm, can you forgive me? I'm so sorry I said that. I was like, of course, again, I didn't think anything by it, but here's what it did. Even though like, I was not offended by the comment that she made, here's my, my respect and admiration for her grew because here was somebody that was spirit-filled, that was going above and beyond and proactive to fill any potential gap that there would have been in our relationship. And she wanted to make sure that nothing got in the way, not even a joke that may have been misplaced, not even something offensive. So she picked up a phone and she called to make sure that the gap was filled. Man, I don't know what your story is. I don't know. And we're going to sing here to respond, but we're just going to look at these two things to where um, with, um, with yourself and with, your, and with others, are there any gaps? Is there any gap? Is there any tear within you? Is there any gap? Is there any tear with others? And what does it mean to be a, a spirit-filled person to fill the gap either within yourself and pick a lane or with others and fill the gap. So we're just going to sit for a few minutes and just kind of think and reflect, and the band's going to come out here, and we're just going to sink. I just want you to think and process. And man, even if um, even if there's somebody you need to text right now, it's like, hey, I think we need a chat. Like, I, you don't, if they're not here tonight, um, you don't have to say, hey, there's a, the, there's a gap that we need to be, like, that'd be weird. But just if there's somebody you need to reach out to, feel free to, reach, to take out your phone, just reach out to somebody to set up a one-on-one, to set up a, a meeting with them, to talk through anything that's unresolved. Um, at the same time, perhaps it's not with others because the first thing is we just need to resolve it within ourselves. So right now, if you just feel like there's a, a tear within your soul, if there's a division within your soul, in my prayer um, is that as spirit-filled people and you as a Christian, as a spirit-filled person, that God can come in and continue to heal um, any schism, any tear that you may feel. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you. And God, I'm just so... Um, grateful for you, God, and how you are the God that loves us, God, and you are the God that repairs any tears within our soul. God, any sort of disintegrated living that we've been living, God, I pray that we here at the table are a spirit-filled people. God, and we preach Christ crucified, and we um, are dead to ourselves in order to glorify you and serve others, God. And I just pray for a few minutes, God, as we're just um, kind of thinking and reflecting, God, that you may start just to illuminate and encourage our souls right now in this moment. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're just going to process for a few minutes.